Should the ACC get rid of divisions? We'll talk all about that and more on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. Thank you all for listening. On today's show, we're going to talk all about the ACC. We'll look at divisions and what what my thoughts are after some news out of the Big 12. And we'll get into everything else that happened this weekend. Before we jump in, I need to apologize. I have a cold. I've had one all week. And when I get a cold, it really screws with my voice. So you'll hear me squeaking and squawking a little bit here. I'm going to try to make it as pleasant to listen to as possible and take breaks and drink tea and things like that so that you don't have to listen to me screech. But anyways, over the weekend, the Big Ten said that they might get rid of their their divisions and play more of a uh, combined schedule where they could play anyone and the top two teams would make the the, uh, championship game. So with that being said, that's the first I've heard of a conference saying that they're going to do that. Now, the ACC, I mean, not the ACC, NCAA has said that they can't do that, that you have to be able to um, have conferences and things like that with divisions. But there are waivers that they can do. And as we saw in 2020, conferences without divisions are a positive thing. Now, should the ACC do this? Should the ACC get be the next conference to discuss getting rid of divisions? Oh my gosh, yes. It is time to get rid of these divisions because 2020 was the perfect example of what college football could be like. You remember that schedule that Boston College had? We were scheduled against Duke, UVA, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, and um, I think there was another uh, – Pitt, excuse me. Played a bunch of coastal teams. You did not have Florida State on the schedule. You did not have NC State or Wake Forest. But you get those games that you don't usually get. Now, with the current model in the ACC, I believe it's once every 13 years you get a certain school at home. So, like Miami. Miami, you know, more recently hasn't had a huge rivalry with Boston College. But, I mean, you only have to look back to Doug Flutie to remember how bad, how big their their rivalry was at one point. And the Ed Reed game, to, to, you know, to give them the, the benefit of the doubt in at least one game. So... You only get Miami at home once every 13 years. Ridiculous, right? And instead we get, you know, no uh, NC State, who BC really doesn't have much of a, of a rivalry with, every other year. You get Clemson, a team that is, you know, unfairly, you can say what you will about the Atlantic, BC gets them at, away every other year. So I would love to see the Atlantic and Coastal Divisions just go away. I think it's it it would get more interesting options. You know, if you get teams here more, you could, you could sell more tickets because I mean, how many times how interesting is a Wake Forest home game for Boston College fans? It's not, but if you got, you know, Pitt here, if you got Miami here more often, even some of these other schools, Georgia Tech, you you can it freshens things up. It doesn't make the schedule seem like the same thing every year minus 4 out of conference games. I love it. I think it's the best idea. And it gets rid of also, it gets rid of the unfairness of the Atlantic versus the coastal. How many conference years have we had 
where the ACC championship game should be between two Atlantic teams because the Coastal's a mess, right? Last year, because of the lack of conference uh, divisions, you were able to get a championship game between two teams that were repeating a game they already played earlier this year, Notre Dame and Clemson. That was fun. That allowed for a better product on the field. That allowed for ACC fans to see a better game. Instead of seeing, you know, Clemson versus, you know, an 8-4 and pit team, you saw two playoff caliber teams in the playoffs, in the in the championship game. That would be a huge win. So Jim Phillips, I know, is looking at all these different things, and I know this new alliance or whatever, which seems to be a whole lot of nothing at this point, though I'm hearing buzz that like the Pac-12 is already starting to look at some things, and so they'll get there. But Phillips, he needs to start looking at you know, ways to spruce up the ACC, ways to you know re-envision how this conference works because you know you want to have the two best teams in the in the conference championship it helps the conference and maybe some years that'll be bought, uh, you know Florida State and Clemson but if, as long as they're still in the Atlantic one team will make the championship the other won't and you could get a, another conference uh, the other division you could have another team that doesn't deserve it as much so i hope this comes along i hope that phillips takes the lead of the Big Ten, that he starts to develop some ideas like this that say, hey, I'd love to see our teams play each other more often in football because right now, you know, there's fan bases that haven't seen another uh, school in like over a decade, and that's ridiculous. So hopefully that this will be the first step in that situation. So that's just a thought. It was an interesting thing, and I've always been against conferences. And you could do it where... You could just have all 14 teams in one conference and they just kind of go at it. You could do pods. You could do a million different ways of looking at it other than conferences. Uh, but we'll have to see if they actually do it because it really haven't heard anything from the ACC. But if the Big Ten does it and maybe the Pac-12 considers it, you know, the alliance is there. Maybe they'll all start to do it. So we'll have to wait and see. In a moment, I'm going to get into the news of the weekend. And then on our final segment, we'll talk about BC basketball's game against Pitt. Hey Eagles fans, this is AJ Black with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. Get Upside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first cash back fill up. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back and there's no catch. Cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or e-gift card from Amazon or other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE for 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. That's code SCORE. Locked on Boston College, AJ Black here. Now, we're going to go over some news items, and then in our final segment, we're going to talk about the pit game. But let's just jump into what happened over the weekend for BC Sports. On Friday night, Boston College traveled to Orono, Maine to play the Maine Black Bears and lost 4-2. I don't know what else to say about this hockey team. It's one of the most depressing stories in Boston College recent history, as this team is bad. Like, they're just... 
They're not playing well. They're losing against teams like Maine. Maine is the is in dead last place in the Hockey East. They are in last, and Boston College just lost to them. As I said before, this was a must-win game. Boston College came out, you know, lukewarm and and got blown out. It was a terrible game. I don't know what else to say about this hockey team. They're playing poorly. They're about to lose all their other stars to the Olympics. They're going to play even worse. And it's just it is going to be a really black eye type of year for BC hockey. You're going to have to move on fast it, figure out what happened, dissect it and and move on because right now they're they're in danger of, of falling into the in last place. Right now if the if hockey's uh uh, tournament time started. They're going. They're traveling, and as they should, they're not playing well. They're under 500 in the Hockey East. Uh, bad game, bad game, and they're just playing poorly. They're going to have Harvard on Tuesday. We'll see if they can figure out something there. This weekend at uh, different various postseason bowl games, we ha- we had Mitch Wolf on last week to talk about his previews. They had the Shrine Bowl and the N- NFLPA Bowl, and. Um, just some quick little notes there. Trey Barry, um, as as Mitch said, had great measurements. He didn't play all that much in the bowl game, but as Mitch said, those bowl games aren't the reason why these kids head down there. It's to do the practices. So we don't know what the practices looked like for Barry because we didn't, you know, I don't have the staff to send to a Shrine Bowl. But um, he didn't really do all that much. He mostly was in there for blocking, didn't have any catches. So it was a quiet game for Barry. And then in the, uh, so that was the NFL PA Bowl, excuse me. And then in the Shrine Bowl, we had Brandon Sebastian. And I saw, I just saw pop up as I was, I was as I was writing this, <clears throat> Josh Carney of um, the USA Today Network said that he looked good with the, uh, deep, on some deep routes. He's showing through, uh, really uh, playing well uh, for Brand Sebastian. So he's a guy that I love to see where he ends up. I know Mitch has his thoughts on, you know, the sixth or seventh round kind of guy, but Sebastian always had some good plays with BC. So let's see what he turns out to turns into in the NFL. So over the weekend, Robert Harris, he goes by Joker. Uh, I, I briefly talked about this. He seems to be one of the last guys Boston College could be landing uh, for their class of 2022 class. Um, he is a current Western Kentucky commit. He goes to Coral Gables, Florida. And of course they bring him up here in the middle of one of the biggest snowstorms in Boston history. Um, I saw his coach tweet out that he was excited to see snow, but man, uh, hopefully he doesn't mind it. Cause that was, that was a, a big one. Uh, I, it made me think of, um, I just saw also this weekend, Davion Crouch, who's also a Florida kid. Who's just up here to start his, uh, his summer, uh, his, you know, spring football he he tweeted out, "Man, this this snow's got is killing me here, or something like that." I'm a Florida boy. Sorry, the wording of it, I got it right in front of me. Sheesh, Boston, this weather has to chill. I'm from Florida with a crying face. So you can see kids from uh, some of the other uh, ta- warmer climates are st- are struggling a little bit with the Boston uh, weather. And because this is my podcast, and I get the chance to talk about what I want to sometimes, um, it sounds like Tom Brady is finally going to retire. Can I tie this into Boston College? I mean, technically, no. I mean, he did practice in the bubble in the new field house at one point uh, during the pandemic. I saw this some videos out there. Joe Sullivan tweeted out one of them. Um, just as a Boston sports fan, it kind of helps you realize the differences between where pro- professional sports are and college sports around this area with Brady. You know, he brought college, you know, he was part of, and I'm sure fans are that aren't from New England are sick of it, like that renaissance of Boston sports. Remember, Boston is an area 
went about 20 years where they weren't winning anything. Like, you, you had to go back to the mid-'80s when the Celtics were, were winning. But all of a sudden, you had David Ortiz, who just made the Hall of Fame, Tom Brady, you had Zidane Chara and that, the Bruins team, and Paul Pierce. So there was this huge era, and obviously Ortiz and Brady were the big ones, right? They brought multiple t- t- championships and made two – they're two legends already. Um, but the attention that those the, that he brought to the Patriots that made them the marquee team – in the, in the state made it harder for a team like Boston College that was kind of at that point. I mean, I mean, look back to all the time that Brady was here. He came in 2001. That was back in the Tom O'Brien years, uh, same year. I think he probably was there the year uh, that um, in, in with the Patriots, the same year that Ed Reed picked off uh, Brian St. Pierre. But, you know, he, he, he goes through 20 years of Boston sports and he does, he really revolutionized and made this town and solidified them as a pro sports town. I mean, they were forever anyways, but right now with this ride, like with such interest in college sports from around the country, you know, Boston still remains a, a, a professional sports town. And, and to BC's credit, they've done some nice things to get attention, whether it's, you know, the Red Sox nights for the baseball team, or, you know, they've had different Patriots players come by or whatever it is to keep the interest. And I know Belichick, I uh, was close, is close with Boston College uh, at different times. So you get all these different things, but you look back at what Brady did to this area, what what he what what kind of standard he put for what sports should be like in Boston. And it's crazy because when you're a Bostonian and you're watching a 14 and two Patriots team, you know, on the verge of their fifth Super Bowl in like seven years or whatever it was. Versus a BC team where you're like, yeah, they're going to get smoked again because they're playing Clemson. It just kind of shows you where this town kind of puts its priorities. And it's one of those major battles that that school, the school's going to have to continue to face. Like, you go to Auburn or Alabama, there's no pro sports they're battling with. They're just battling with themselves. And that makes it such an attractive commodity for the people down there. BC's going to have to figure out a way to make themselves a good program, you know, and they've started to build some infrastructure. You still want to build up on alumni stadium and get, you know, if Halfley's the guy, if he ends up figuring out this off, you know, this team and Earl Grant figures out the basketball team, then you'll get people back. You'll get people back, but you need to start winning some big games. And I mean, look at both programs. When's the last real big game basketball or football has won? It's been eight years I mean, BC hasn't beaten a top 25 team in football since 2014. In basketball, they do it, but then they mix it with getting their butt kicked by everyone else. So it's a culture thing, and I'm not. I'm, I'm speaking to the choir here. I just, when I hear Brady, I, I, I understand why some people are just not in this area, just not interested in BC sports. And it, it stinks, but that's where it is. Now, in a moment, we're going to talk about basketball, both women's and men's, so check that out. It's a new year and a new you. And that means New Year's resolutions. And we, if your goal is to make yourself healthier, make sure Built Bar is part of your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy, Built Bar is delicious. They're 100% covered in chocolate, and they don't taste like you're eating a protein bar. They really do taste like you're having a special treat. Now, when you're doing your deals, when you're doing your... Um, making your 
New Year's resolution, make Built Bar part of it because some of the flavors they have are just amazing. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so you need to check out Built.com often to see what's new. Now, go over to Built.com and make sure to use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off at Built.com. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here again. Apologize for the cold. My voice is really messed up at this point. But it's later in the night and Boston College basketball has defeated Pittsburgh. Big game, big win. And the big part of this game that really stood out for me was that Boston College was able to to shut down John Hugley, who had 32 points against them last time, to just 9 points. And he was 3 of 10 from shooting. Really shows what Boston College was able to do in terms of um, making adjustments from that last game. Shows what Grant is able to do. What this team can change. That even with, you, you would think after that last loss, okay, Hugley's way more talented than anything that Boston College has on their roster. And you know what? You may be right. They, he may be, but they figured out a scheme today to shut him down. And this wasn't even really that close of a game. Boston College had a lead of about 15 or 16 points at one point. They just really put this game away. The Langford brothers were incredible. Uh, Makai Ashton Langford led the team with 21 points, while DeMar Langford had 17 as well. They shot 44%, which is, again, you want to see... BC shooting well when they're in this game, in these games. So, where does this leave Boston College? They now are now nine and eleven. They have four ACC wins, which is the same that Jim Christian had his first year with Boston College. But they have eleven more games to go. Jim Christian topped out at seven wins with Boston College in the ACC during his tenure at Boston College, and that was the year that they went to the NIT. I believe that was two thousand seventeen eighteen. Grant could do that in his first year. You look at what Boston College has left on their schedule. You look at who they're playing against. It's possible. They're playing a UVA team that's 12 and 9 next. And that's it, you know, it's at, at Virginia, but winnable game. You know, if they're gonna if Virginia wants to go and muck it up, but Boston College can be there right with them because they're a team that can do that. Syracuse. Syracuse is playing terribly. Then they get Duke. Oh, good luck with that one. That's gonna be that's gonna be tough. Notre Dame again, playing better. But Syracuse, NC State, Clemson. And then end the season with Georgia Tech. There's like four or five more wins in there if they play really well. You could you could see this team ending up this season with eight eight ACC wins or nine ACC wins. What kind of what kind of message does that send to recruits, to the fan base? If Earl Grant takes a team that won what, one ACC game last year, two ACC games, and wins eight or nine in his first year, that is a heck of a message. And that's showing already that we're starting to see the, the, the pieces of what he's putting together. And as I've said before, is it perfect yet? Is it a hundred percent that this is going to actually work? No. I mean, Jim Christian, again, he had four wins his first season. They could go out and lose the rest of these and we'd be, we're still in the same spot, but you get the feeling there's something different. You watch them play defense. You watch the intensity of where they, how they, how they cover, how they how they do the little things. And it's very different than what Jim Christian did. Very, very different. And you look at some of the other things that are popping up. Now you're seeing Gianni Thompson. He played 16 minutes, had six six buckets and three rebounds. When you're getting your youth in 
and you're building your bench and you're adding to your team. You're not subtracting. You're not losing from injuries. You're adding to it. That's a positive sign. That's showing that your team is heading in the right direction. So uh, in uh, to keep this brief, because I'm sure you don't want to hear my voice for 25 plus minutes, that was the BC basketball game. BC women's, not a good game against Notre Dame. We'll talk more about that later. They just, they were not. There, that's two tough losses in a row against Georgia Tech and, and Notre Dame, where they got really put back to earth. Um, but we'll talk about that later. But the bigger news, and I had no intention of talking about this, but I'm not going to re-record because, again, listen to my voice. I can't do another whole show right now. Um, Boston College apparently has a front runner for their offensive coordinator position. Pete Thamel, now of ESPN, reported that John McNulty, Notre Dame's tight end coordinator, uh, tight end coach, excuse me, is the front runner to get that job. Now, if you're not familiar with McNulty, he was a former Rutgers offensive coordinator. He has multiple years of experience in the NFL with the Tennessee Titans, with the Tampa Bay Bucks, where he met Jeff Halfley. He worked with um, the Los Angeles slash San Diego Chargers and the Arizona Cardinals. Well, he has a good resume. Um, uh, you know, he's a tight ends coach. From what I heard, I talked to Brian Driscoll of Irish Breakdown, part of the SI network as well. He, you know, I do BC Bolton. He does SI, um, uh, Fighting Irish, excuse me. He said that Tommy Reese, had, uh, the Notre Dame offensive coordinator, really holds him in high regard and says that he really respects his opinion. So he's a guy that in the Notre Dame system – is really someone they look after. Now he's, you know, he's got the time at Rutgers. He also was an offensive analyst for Penn State, and now has been with Notre Dame. Is this a, a home run hire? Probably not. I mean, there's bigger names out there. I mean, he had a lot of success at Rutgers. His first go around at Rutgers, he had a top 35 offense two years in a row with, with under Greg Schiano. That was when Rutgers was really good. Uh, now you may go back to oh, he came back to Rutgers. And yes, he came back the year Boston College played Rutgers under Chris Ash, and that team was awful, and he didn't do much with that. But again, that was because Rutgers, at that point, had completely fallen into the toilet. They were not the same Rutgers that we saw 10 years ago. They were new to the Big Ten. They were, you know, they they had a couple bad coaches in a row, and it just wasn't working out. So McNulty goes in there, tries to fix things, doesn't work immediately, and he's got him a job. Now, Will he work at Boston College? He's a Pennsylvania guy, so hopefully Phil likes him. Phil Jakovic. He's going to be the new quarterback's coach to go along with it if they hire him. I mean, he's got the experience. He's worked, you know, with the guys at Tampa Bay, Tennessee. Um, I like it. I think it's a good hire. I don't think it's uh, a splashy one. I know some people are hoping for splashy names. And, I, you know, I'm interested to know where Halfley kind of came up with that idea. I know he they have a connection uh, with Shiano and work together. And I know that's a big thing. And he has NFL experience, which is another big piece that Halfley has. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how he envisions that offense. I'm assuming it's going to stick with the pro style, given that that's kind of what uh, Notre Dame um, has run at, at, at different times. Uh, but we'll have to see how he adjusts because every coach is coaching staff is different. So that's it for today. This is AJ Black. Hopefully I'll be back tomorrow with a much more improved voice. And thank you all for listening today. Um, if you were in the Northeast, I hope you were all safe after that blizzard. I was out shoveling and snow blowing for two hours today. Not the most fun thing in the world, but you got to do it, right? Uh, have a great one, and we'll see you all again soon. Take care, everyone.